black preachers who are, are racist in their hearts. Uh, they, are, they are not called by God, but they've been called by their mama. The Jesse Lee Peterson Show is the only program in existence which deals straight up with black Americans. So-called civil rights leaders want them angry, dumbed down, and demoralized. It's not the leaders that blacks need, but good fathers and mothers. Welcome to the program. My name is Jesse Peterson. Thank you for tuning in. I, um, I get letters and emails from people all the time. Some disagree with me and some agree with me. At times, I like to set aside time to uh, respond to some of the letters and email I get, and we're going to do that today. I have been called everything that one person can be called in the last 13 years or so. Nigger, Uncle Tom, sell out. You hate your mama, you hate your daddy, you hate homosexuals, you hate your color, you hate black people, you hate white people. Whatever issue I deal with, for some reason people think I hate them. I don't. But, uh, uh, you know, this is the price that I have to pay for trying to get the truth out. Amy Posey is the general manager of Primetime Christian Broadcast. She's also a friend and like a sister to me now. And she's been getting these letters, forget both. But she's been getting letters from some of the viewers who say that Jesse Peterson hate women. Take him off the air, he hate women. So I've asked her to come on today and discuss some of these letters that we've received. And Amy, thank you for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Amy, um, what I'd like for you to do is maybe read some excerpts from some of the letters that we've gotten about okay. Jesse hating women so that I can respond to them. Well, one thing before I do that, I, I, I want you to realize that um, if Jesse really did hate women, he would not be on primetime. No. You know, we see a different side of Jesse than, the, than you, the viewers, do. And that's what we were telling you yesterday, Jesse. Yes. Maybe you need to, to give the viewers a few minutes of who you are outside of your interviews with your guest yes. because he really does have a heart for the Lord he really does love people he does love women he loves the youth he loves blacks he loves whites he loves Democrats he <laughs> might not he might not love the things that the Democratic yes. Party stands for but he still loves the people and what he is trying to do and what he spent 13 years doing is trying to get people to wake up very much the same way of what we at primetime do, which is why even though his program is so different than anything else we do, it really does fit. Because what he's, he's saying is, you know, don't just blanketly accept everything. Right. Just because um, you're a Democrat or a Republican or the Green Party, whatever it is, don't vote a straight ticket. There are good people, there are bad people in every party. It's up to you to do the research and to know what your party stands for, what your representatives are voting for on your behalf. That's right. And you know, I, I try to make it clear that it's not the people in the party, it's what the party platform is about. Mm -hmm. And the party platform is about homosexuality same-sex marriage, abortion, even up until the ninth month. You know, they, they can bring the baby mm -hmm. out of the womb, punch a hole in the head. And, and call they, it dead. That's right. And so if you believe in God, 
you cannot, that is evil. I see that as being evil. Mm -hmm. The battle that we fight is good against evil or evil against good, right? And that's evil. And when you're on the side of good, you cannot support evil. But, you know, Jesse, what is really happening is if, if people take a look at what has happened to our country and just what is happening all around us, you know, it doesn't take a whole lot of common sense to realize right. that everybody's been dumbed down. All yes. of us have been. That's they right. want us stupid. They don't want us paying attention. They want things to appear to be going our way That's and to right. be very easy and to make us very complacent where we're just happy to sit and watch TV and That's even right. that becomes so, uh, we get so hardened to what's on TV that you begin to accept all of these things right. that our God says is abominable. And so, you know, God is really waking us up you nowadays. Know, it's like... Uh, we've been taping all day, as you know, and I, I think all of the guests said to me at the end of the show, you know, you ask, you ask good questions. You prompt me to think mm -hmm. things that I don't normally think about. And that's what I want people to do is to start thinking. Because if they start to think about what's going on, then a change will come for the good. That's what makes you so different, though. Because that's what you are trying to get people yes. to do. Wake up and think. That's right. Where our government, they want to put our leaders, asleep. they don't want us to think. That's right. I say that to black Americans, too. There's this idea out there that white people hate blacks and they wake up every morning and they're trying to figure out how to keep black people down and and i say look white people have their own problems mm -hmm. you know they worry about their children high taxes and trying to have a life they're not waking up every morning trying to figure out how to keep black people down but because they've been told this stuff for 40 years or so and no one has come along and say this is not true they're not even thinking about what's happening mm -hmm. how they've been brainwashed mm -hmm. and kept down and I received a lot of letters and phone calls from many blacks who said, I got mad when you first mentioned this thing about black people, but when I calmed down, I thought about it, and you're right. And I had never thought of these things before. They're just not thinking, and that's where the government and these so-called leaders want them to be. To be doing, not thinking. That's right, not thinking. They want them not thinking. Dumb down. So anyway, I can assure you Jesse does not hate anybody. But he does want you to wake up, and we want you to wake up too. We want everybody to be aware, yes. and we are very glad that you're here. I'm glad to be here. Jesse has a, a program that either inspires you to love him and stand <laughs> with him or to hate him and say, I'm never going to watch you again, and then they watch just because. Yeah, they become addicted to the yes. program. Um, which is good because, is. because is. you have had people who have told you, I will never watch again, and then like you said, once they calm down. Yes. See, that's what anger does, though. It yes. makes you not listen. That's and right. that's, God told us, it's not wrong to be angry. It's what you do with that anger that's yeah. wrong. He said something like, be angry and sin not. That's right. You know, you could be angry. I'm angry at what I see happening around mm -hmm. me, but I don't hate it. You know, I'm mm -hmm. not playing yeah. God with you it. Don't hate but yet people. I'm taking a stand with mm -hmm. it. You know, I'm doing something about it. But if I hate the people that were doing the things to the country, I wouldn't be able to function. I, I couldn't do anything about it. Mm -hmm. So absolutely right. You know, I was thinking that, uh, this morning when I saw Al, your dad, the other day, he, uh, I, I gave him a tight hug. You know, and it was like hugging my daddy because I didn't, I wasn't, my father was not in the home. And I had the opportunity to read your dad's book before ever meeting him in person. 
and I'm not, I don't like reading, I have to admit, I have to now because of my work, but I, I couldn't put his book down. And I thought, wow, this is totally interesting. So when I met him, it was an automatic relationship with him. And I feel like he's a wise man and I can learn a lot from him. He's a white man. Now, if I had hatred in my heart for white people, I would lose all that. I would miss out on the, the, uh, the knowledge and understanding that he had. But because I don't have that hatred, I see a good man, then I can learn from him. And uh, a lot of people don't learn from other people mm -hmm. because they do have that resentment for whatever reason within their hearts. For whatever reason. Right, for whatever reason. Um, I know one of the, the issues, and this one here, uh, this letter addresses it, and I will be reading this to you in a minute, is um, that you tend to make people feel like it's their problems are the faults of their mothers and their fathers and that's not really where he's coming from on that in some ways yes he's trying to get you to wake up you know what if there were problems when you were growing up that created a rebellion in you and you know yes. I love my mom and I love my dad but I tell you what I was one of the most rebellious teenagers for 20 years you know um, and I had to forgive them and let me tell you that you guys know who my parents are they're wonderful people but if someone that wonderful is we look at them they're not perfect that's right and what happens is because they're not perfect we resent them for that that's right and because we resent them for yes, that we rebel yes. and that's what he's trying to get us to wake up and see you know what it is not because you had lousy parents it's not that you had the perfect parents it's that somewhere in you you perceived that something was not just perfect yes. and you got this resentment in you that you've hung on to that's right and God said that we should honor our parents and when you resent your parents, even if you're faking that you love them, but you know secretly in your heart that you resent them, you can't honor your parents. That's right. Because when you resent someone without forgiving, there's no honor. Mm -hmm. And uh, the family is, is everything to God. You know, he ordained that family to guide us. And we have, to, we have a responsibility to love our parents by forgiving them for the mistakes that they made with us. Mm -hmm. Some of them are aware of the mistakes, others are not. Mm -hmm. And you can carry this stuff through life and you end up doing the same thing to your children and it's just passed down mm -hmm. generation after generation. And instead of looking at that, you blame something else for it now. You say, well, it's racism or it's my husband or it's my wife or it's this. It's really not. It's just that you haven't gone back to where you lost your innocence. And that came from judging your parents for their flaws. Right. Because we're not allowed to judge them for their flaws. You can't. And not I, in how peace. Mm -mm. I want to ask you a quick question, though, since you brought up that. In reading, and for the audience, too, in reading your book, I mean, your dad's book about his life, and he was on the road a lot. You know, your mother spent a lot of time moving here and there. She moved more than mm -hmm. the president's wife, I guess. <laughs> and uh, that's amazing when I read that. But how did you handle not having your father around? Uh, what impact, if any, that it had on your life, and how did you overcome it? How did you deal with that? That was a big one for me. Um, fortunately, I was the youngest of five kids, so I was with my mother more than any of the others. Right. There was only an eight-year span between me and my oldest sibling. My childhood, up until I was 11, my dad was in Europe. 
um, I became very familiar with Dulles International Airport. That is where <laughs> yeah. I saw my father. We picked him up there, and my dad was raised in a generation where men were everything and women were not. And although he doesn't believe that, that did have an effect on his relationship with his children because yes, he had three daughters and two sons. He spent a lot of time with my brothers, you know, taking them to Washington Redskin games yeah. and uh, participating in their Boy Scout activities. He was very busy with them. He was a wonderful provider. We never did without. But he did not realize at that point the importance of his relationship with his daughters. Yes, ma'am. When uh, my I grew up in Virginia up until I was 11. Then we moved outside of San Francisco. He got transferred. And then in 1974, he lost his mother. And we moved to Roswell, New Mexico. Um, that is where uh, my, my mom and dad had both been raised. His father and his stepmother were still living there. He wanted to be close to his dad. Mm -hmm. He bought the RV center and I actually went to work for him then in the seventh grade. Um, but all of a sudden, Jesse, it went from my dad being on the road all the time, never around, to my dad around me 24 hours a day telling me what to do. And let me tell you, it did fly. Yeah, I bet. It was like, I don't think so. Right. And that's, I got so rebellious. Yeah. I mean, I got into drugs, alcohol, everything. You know, all through high school, my parents were oblivious to this because number one, they were so busy running yeah. their own business. You go into business for yourself, you work 36 hours a day. That's for sure. And then of course they were very involved in church, you know? They would have to drive out to California to pick up motorhomes that we sold at the RV center. So they weren't around. And uh, boy, I didn't like my dad at all. Yeah. I loved my mother. Right, I understand that. So did you, so what caused you to realize that it was the resentment of your father for not being there and mm. feeling love by him? About five years ago, we had a huge break. And, you know, I worked for him for 20 years. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to protect him. That's why I worked for him, because right. I loved my daddy so much. Yeah. I wanted his approval so much. Yeah. But let me tell you, I made a lot of mistakes with men in my life for that lack of relationship yeah, with right. my dad. Yes. Because, daddies, you are so important to your daughters. Yeah, everything, I'm telling you. You are. And it's really like that, too, because of that spiritual order that God mm -hmm. has ordained. You know, God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, mm -hmm. woman over children. And it doesn't mean the man is more important than the woman, but when you love your fathers, and girls love their fathers. Mm -hmm. When you love your father, you feel fulfilled. Mm -hmm. You know, you have love. Mm -hmm. Nothing is missing in your mm -hmm. life, right? But when you don't, it's like there's an emptiness there. There is an emptiness. Feeling, and you start looking for it in other ways. Mm -hmm. And because God has ordained that the father, that's, that the father be there for their, his children. Mm -hmm. That's one reason I didn't get married. I almost got married about five years ago. And I realized that I wasn't going to be around because my work, and I'm committed mm -hmm. to my work, you know. I mm -hmm. love my work more than I do myself, probably. But I'm committed because it's a gift from God, right? Mm -hmm. And I realized that I wasn't going to be around, and I didn't want my children to go through what I had gone through, so I called it off. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and when you were talking about your dad moving here and there, I'm having flashbacks in my head from reading the book. And I'm familiar with all the places that he went to. Mm -hmm. 
So did you finally go to him and say, I resented you because you wasn't there and I've been rebelling, I'm sorry? Or how did it work itself out? Well, um, like I said, I actually started working for him when I was in the seventh grade. Right. And it was just 25, 30 years of trying to win daddy's approval right. and that never happening. Dad had open heart surgery uh, in 1997. And some different things played into this, but what happened was um, I ended up leaving prime time and um, was gone for for five years from prime time, but did not speak to my father for three years. Mm. And during that time, see, here's something that's real key too. You're going to see your heavenly father the same way you see your earthly father. Amen. Period. Say that Period. again, please. Please, one more <laughs> you time. You will see your heavenly father the same way that you see your earthly father. That's right. Every shortcoming your earthly father has, you throw right off onto God. Yeah. Every imperfection. And anyway, during that separation period, that three years of being without my dad, completely. And actually, it was my entire family. I cut them all off. <laughs> um, I never do anything halfway. I got to know my Heavenly Father, really got to know Him and His love for me and how His acceptance of me. That's what happened. And once that relationship with my Heavenly Father was restored, guess what? I could forgive my dad. And I went to him. Yes. And the rest is history. Here I am. And I have a marvelous relationship with my dad, yeah. but I don't get him confused with God anymore. That's right. I don't expect my dad to be perfect, and he's you, not. So you guys sat down and talked about it. Mm -hmm. And was it hard to do? Were you nervous about it? Because a lot of adults and young adults say, I'm afraid to go. I don't want to hurt their feelings or... I don't know how their reaction would be. And I often tell them, look, mm. you're not going there to attack. You're going to apologize for resenting you for the mistake you made. So when they hear it that way, it's a little easier to do it. Were you nervous about going to him? No. He was probably a lot more nervous than yeah. I am. But Dad and I are a lot different in that. Dad um, perceives most things, even a normal conversation, if it that it could be confrontational, yes. then he doesn't want to go there. Oh, okay. But I am one of those people, and a lot of people, this just irks them to no end. I don't look at any kind of difference of opinion or anything like that as something that cannot be resolved. Yeah. So I'm very good at just throwing my cards on the table, let's That's talk right. and let's work it out. Wow. You know? That's but, what the truth will do for you. Yeah. You know, it, it takes out all that fear and worry. You yeah. just want things to work out. Mm -hmm. And all the way it's going to work out is that you have to be honest. Mm -hmm. you got to put it on the table and work it out mm -hmm. if, it can, if you want to work it out. That's right. And so you feel free now. Oh, absolutely. Do people perceive you as being mean and dominating? Oh, and yeah. Like that? They do? Oh, yeah. And how do you know that they perceive you in that way? Because I've been told that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, how do you feel about that? Well, um, in some cases, I have to be that way because of my job. Mm -hmm. um, and that's sometimes a very hard thing for me. However, being here at prime time, we try to be um, completely 
different than than what employees would find out in the world. Yes. You know, we give them a lot more chances than they're going to find out in the world. Yes. And but there's a fine line there because sometimes they will take advantage of that, and you have to know when to draw the line. And when you work in a company this large and you have this many employees, it's like, I'm sorry, but the rules apply equally to every single person. Now, depending on uh, the employee, they may or may not accept what you have to say to them. It may make them very angry, um, but that's my job. Do you want, uh, and then we've got to get to the letters because time has passed, but do you want people to always be upfront with you too? Yes. Yeah, it's the best way, huh? Yes. Yeah, a lot of people can't do that. Yes. Do you realize that? I realize that. They it. can't do it. And then rather than realizing that they can't be up front, they'll say something wrong with mm -hmm. you, you know. Well, you're mean, so I can't mm -hmm. be up front. But, yeah. you know, even if the person is mean, you still can be up front with people. Well, I'm not mean. I'm actually a very kind yeah. person, but I am very up front. And sometimes yeah. they take that being very up front as, she's being mean to me. Yeah. Or, so. and then, hopefully we go to the letters. Your, your husband, you know, I know you're married now. Mm -hmm. I think you've been married at least one other time. Mm -hmm. Do they find you intimidating or difficult to deal with in their mind? Or are they strong men that can handle it, um, secure women? Well, Dale, since we've been married eight weeks at the mm -hmm. filming of this, and um, just coming into prime time, uh, as someone who has a heart for prime time, he came under spiritual warfare. But, Jesse, you don't marry into this family with a heart for what primetime is doing and not have all hell break loose against you. <laughs> yeah. So, no, um, Dell has great respect for me and for what I do. And um, actually being married to him, he's so much more gentle than I am. Mm -hmm. And I've told him that, you know, I pray God make me, make me more gentle for him. And God has actually done that for me yeah. and he's he's amazed at what he has seen God do in me in just eight weeks so am I so uh, anyway well, good. what do you that's want good. to talk about in these letters because <laughs> we are just uh, about out of time well wow, this has been good too I um I guess I want to talk about the ones that think I hate women I want to respond to some of those okay um let me see neither one of these really says that except that this one this is just an excerpt of this letter. It says, um, Moms usually do the best they can and know to do and to blame them is not the answer. Or to ask a man what he does about the hell his wife has in her and he didn't even know the man's wife. You didn't know the man's wife. Do all women automatically have hell in them because that's what they're gathering that you're inferring. Right. I think we all have a little bit of hell in us, but <laughs> men uh, and women. The, the Bible says that we all have sinned and come short, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning that we all coming out of hell. Mm -hmm. You know, we're coming out of hell. But when I say hell in women, I am talking about the anger. Um, and you touched on that in your testimony. Whenever women don't have good fathers guiding them, men that love God with all their heart, soul, and might, and they're there to guide their children by example, it brings on anger inside women, mm -hmm. and men, but women. And so when, uh, if they don't forgive and get over that, they get married or start to date, uh, whenever a little pressure is put on, that hell comes out, you know, when it, that anger, and I call hell anger because it's not of God, that kind of, that bitter hell, uh, anger is not of God. 
uh, it comes out and it affects the children and the husband or, uh, and anybody else that's around you. And so that's why I call it hell. And any woman, whether black or white, male or female, who, uh, well, uh, well, man is not a woman, but whether black or white, any woman that resents their father, whether he's a good man or not, have that kind of hell within them and, and it's passed on to their children because you have to take it out on somebody. You know, it comes out some kind of way. And kids have a lot of energy. You know, they're moving about, pulling down everything. They want to know everything. And when you have that kind of anger, you don't have patience to deal with that. So you tend to yell at your kids, go sit down, uh, don't talk back on your mother. And kids start to resent that anger. And the moment they resent that, they fall away from innocence. And they wake up to that reality that's in the mother. And so any woman, and the reason I point that out, because... I, I, I feel that just as men have to look at themselves and repent, women have to do it too. So if we don't point it out, how will women face it? You know, how will mm -hmm. they see? Because some of them don't realize that that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. How will they stop and ponder this idea if no one brings it up? And that's all I try to do. And there's a, a natural thing too, Jesse, because God has set up the family order for a reason. And what happens with the female, and whether they realize it's going on or not, you want that man to be the head of the house yes. because that's what God created him to be. That's right. And there is a resentment that naturally comes up in a female when the husband does not take his weak. place, his strong place that's right. as the head of that family. That's right. And I often tell men all the time, the worst thing that can happen to a woman is a weak man, a man that doesn't love God with all his heart, soul, and might, and he's guided by that example. Mm -hmm. He's living example. I don't mean a man who is macho and all that kind of stuff, but a man that loves what's right, mm -hmm. and it means everything to him. When a woman don't, don't, don't get that in her life, she resents it. As you right. just said, she can't help but resent that mm -hmm. because she, the order is that she should be able to look up to her husband and respect him mm -hmm. because he respect God. Mm -hmm. So I don't hate women. No, you don't. I really don't. Really it wouldn't don't. make sense for me to hate women. I mean, I know I can't go on radio and TV and do a show and hate women, you know, especially on a Christian sake. Nowhere, really. Mm -hmm. So it's just not logical. But I have to tell the truth because of the love that I have for all people. I have four daughters that I adopted myself, and they're good girls. I don't hate women. I just wanted to get that clear. I hope you're being a good daddy to them so they oh, have... They love They me. know how to choose a husband. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, when they date, if the man is weak, they'll say, you're a weak man. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Amy, for coming on. Thank you for you having know, me. And thanks for your testimony, too. It means a lot. It really, really does. Sure. And I appreciate you doing that. Thank you, and have a good day. My name is Jesse Lee Peterson. I'm founder and president of a nonprofit organization, BOND, the Brotherhood Organization of a New Destiny. And our purpose is to rebuild the family by rebuilding the man. You can reach us at 1-800-411-2663, 1-800-411-2663, or, or at our website, www dot bondinfo dot org b-o-n-d-i-n-f-o dot o-r-g we're 13 years old 
We're not a uh, governmental organization. We're a private, nonprofit organization. And I believe in the perfect order of God and Christ, Christ and man, man over woman, and woman over children. It is a spiritual battle that we're fighting. Not blacks against whites or whites against blacks, but good versus evil, right versus wrong. I'm committed to rebuilding a family by rebuilding the man. For an audio or video copy of this program, please call or write the address on the screen. Please include the program number when ordering.